0: Welcome to the New Ridgecrest Podcast. This is where we sit down each week and uh, take a deeper look at the previous week's sermon. Uh, My name is Matt. I'm the Executive and Discipleship Pastor here at Ridgecrest. And this week I'm joined with uh, our worship pastor, Greg O'Neill. And uh, this past week, uh, Greg, you shared about uh, worship and so I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into that and look at you know corporate worship specifically um, but i guess first i just want to touch on you know this week was a little bit different where you, you changed up the order of things a little bit and did the the sermon there at the beginning and then uh the uh, musical worship aspect uh following so tell me a little bit about that and kind of what led you into thinking to, to change it up that way
1: um, well, if you ask the worship pastor to do something, it's always going to be a little something weird, right? Uh, no, it was really for content reasons um, because I knew at the end of the sermon we were going to challenge people to to open their hearts to have a, a worship experience with Jesus. And then it just didn't make sense to have that at the end of the service and say, see you later, see you next week, uh, and send them out without giving them an opportunity to, to respond in in worship right away. So.
0: Yeah, and, and it was it was definitely different, but, but I could, for me, you know, being in there, I, I could definitely see how that impacted um, that worship time for me personally. You know, as as we were worshiping there together, because like you said, it, it does kind of shift that focus. And as you're challenging us to you know be more active participants in worship. It's a natural thing to just to flow into that rather than, like you said, just kind of all right. That's it. Have a good week. Um, So, so I I appreciate that. Um, I really felt
1: like there was a, from my perspective, looking at people, I just felt like there was a whole lot of focus there. um, Also, so yeah, and and, really cool.
0: and, And I know a common, you know, problem. I guess you could say that that, you know, we, we have, and, you know, at Ridgecrest, and of course other, other churches deal with this as well as, you know, we, we have a lot of people who, who are engaging and fellowshipping with one another at the beginning of the service and uh, have a hard time making their way in uh, there at the beginning. And so a lot of times worship, you know, the, the, the music portion of worship can feel a bit rushed because we're trying to hurry and get in there and find a seat and all those types of things. And so I think, um, you know, it, like you said, it, it, Opened up us a little bit more to, to be prepared to respond to God in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and of course, your outline, you, you really followed, in, of course, uh, essentially a bottom line statement, and you broke that down all, all throughout. And, you know, I, I just really love what, what you said there. Is, you know, we are a holy temple joined together to worship. Offering spiritual sacrifices in spirit and truth, and I think that was just a great way to, to as, as you kind of tied all those things together. Um, one, one of the aspects of that that you kind of touched on um, was the sacrifice aspect, and looking at um, what that looks like in our own worship. And as I was hearing that, you know, you, you were mentioning atoning sacrifices and versus the non-atoning sacrifices, and I started thinking, you know, how worship and corporate worship kind of look different in. Old Testament versus New Testament or even modern church age. And so could, could you share a little bit about, about what that looks like and how that you know, impacts us and our corporate worship in today's setting? Um, yeah, well, in the Old Testament, we don't have
1: a whole lot of information. We don't have an exact, like if there was an order and way people worshiped, we don't have that. Um, but we do know that, that they worship corporately and even um, God ordained it when he um, established the tabernacle. There, as they were in the wilderness, um, and from that point on, there was there was some aspect of corporate worship, and it uh, it, it probably hit its height when Solomon built the temple, and um, we know a little bit about that corporate worship time there. It, it included um, choirs and instruments, and, and it was it was big. It was probably more boisterous than ours. It probably included some shouting and dancing, and some of the things that are mentioned in the Psalms. Um, and we and we have the Psalms, so even though we don't know what what exactly their worship looked like. We do have a big bit of the content of worship because we know that, that those songs originally written by individuals, maybe as a part of their individual worship, were intended to be used in that corporate worship. So we can see some of the content and the things that were important to them as they, as they worshipped um, in the Old Testament. Um, and uh, as Jesus came, that began to shift a little bit. Um, we know that... Um, uh, corporate worship was important to Jesus um, because we see that um, uh, it says that it was his habit to go to the synagogue there were two there was the temple still there but there were also synagogues um, in in different towns and so we know it was his habit he he taught there he um, he was a part of also he he went to the temple you know as a child and also as an adult. so we know that corporate worship was a thing to him but um, after he was gone then, as the church was being formed, um, there wasn't an, an immediate change because they didn't see themselves as starting a whole new religion. Yeah. Initially, they they went to the synagogues, and um, in, in the Book of Acts, and they um, they went to temple. Um, uh, there was that reported miracle um, there when when um, Peter and John were going to the temple. But slowly but surely, um, they began to write new songs that included uh, Christ. And mm-hmm. uh, they added the elements of communion and um, baptism and some new things that were not a part of Old Testament worship. Um, their worship in the New Testament was probably home churches. Um, it was mm-hmm. probably small group gatherings. It was probably uh, less formal. Um, looking at 1 uh, Corinthians, you know, it talks about each of you, if you have – a song or an interpretation or, or a scripture or whatever. So like it was it was very lay led probably. Uh and there but there were pastors who preached because Paul sure. mentions that and he trained um pastors. Um, so I think that's what it looked like initially. I think one of the huge markers was after that, about three hundred years when uh Constantine, the Roman Emperor, made his conversion uh to Christ and uh and then um he began to change worships somewhat in in what he did. He began to want to outdo pagan temples with church buildings. And everything got on a grander scale. And uh, an unfortunate byproduct of all that is that that worship began to be more in the hands of a small group of, of clergy instead of being more congregation participation kind of thing and so i think even today we you're fighting that battle against that you know yeah with people um looking at a platform and feeling like they can just sit and watch and and be a part of worship as opposed to really participate and offer their their own personal sacrifice or their own personal worship
0: yeah and, and i think <clears throat> that's um. There was several years ago. We um. I'd led a team to um, a remote village in Guatemala, and, and in that village, we we did a lot of the, the door-to-door evangelism. There was a, a a Catholic church that you know had um, some of the individuals were involved in, but but there was there were no Protestant churches there, and so we did some door to evangelism, and and uh, local organizations were building kind of a, a physical church building, so that way as as um, these new uh, commerce made a profession of faith, they could join there. And so it was a neat experience that after we did this week, you know, we got to hold that first worship service uh, in, in the church. And um, it was just amazing, you know, just small, you know, small, you know, maybe a hundred square foot building, just center block wall or, um, you know, no AC, no fans, just open windows. And, you know, you had, you know, some music maybe had, had a guitar, but a lot of it was, you know, just acapella kind of worship and um, you had this group of individuals who were there, and they were just worshiping, and you know they didn't need necessarily the the frills or the um, excitement or anything because they they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and that was enough for them. And mm-hmm. um, it was just a, t- a tremendous experience, and and you know this place being packed out of, of, of this small remote village. Um, but, but like you said, it, it's easy for us to get get focused on. You know, we need to have this building, or you know, these instruments, or the you know different elements. And while all those things are great, you know, they definitely add to you know um, what we're able to do as worship. You know, if those are our motivating factors, I think that's where kind of the problem comes in. Kind of you know, with with, with even with Constantine and um, people of that time, you know, it was more of the it was maybe dr- dramatic or you know eccentric kind of things rather than it being you know, if we have those things, great. Uh, if not. That's okay too, because because we're there, we're there to worship. Yeah. We had a, we did a cool thing several years
1: ago here. Um, we called it catacomb worship because that's early church when they faced persecution, they had to move their worship out of their homes and into the, the catacombs to hide from yeah. um, officials. And um, so we had a worship service, sort of like what you're talking about, where we had no frills at all. They were just we didn't use instruments, we didn't do anything. We just said, hey, you know, these people would have come with what it was in their memory and their heart. And, and so we just, we nobody led. We just told them it was up to them basically. And and um, they got up and shared scripture that they had memorized and mm. they shared a song one by one. And if somebody started singing, we all sang. And um, it was so purely congregational and it was pretty awesome. It was yeah. really a really neat experience.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we, we <clears throat> it's easy for us to forget um, that, there's many people all over the world who are continuing. You mentioned this Sunday, you know, um, are continuing to worship in that kind of environment because they are facing persecution. They are still in the, forced to be in a house church model, and um, I think it's healthy for us to remember that and, and, and be aware of what you know our brothers and sisters of Christ are experiencing all over the world, and uh, even become more intentional in, in our prayer um, for them and, and and what what they're going through. Um, you know, so so with this understanding. Um, we we we, you know, the reason we're corporate worship is, is a part of um our, our mission and and a way we carry out our vision of of knowing God, um, it's clearly important. And you know, one thing I, I loved about your message Sunday is you 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 laid out you know, dozens of passages of scripture that highlight the importance of this. But, um, you know, you you shared the statistic that now kind of you're what's considered a a good church attender. Um, or you're a committed church attender Someone who attends maybe one to two times a month And so it's evident that priorities have maybe shifted And maybe corporate worship isn't made a priority But uh, truth of the matter is is you know, At Ridgecrest, we have one hour a week When we get to have everyone together um, You know, Why should um, our, our people prioritize that, that time together as corporate worship?
1: Um, one of the verses that I didn't mention um when Jesus was asked, what, "What is the greatest commandment?" You remember he quoted the yeah. Shema: um, "Love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength." Um, you know, I think that our love for God is—that's is, really what worship is. One of the, the shorter definitions of worship is it's the highest form of love. Mm. And um, so, like I—I think to answer your question, like you know, why do I have regular conversations with my wife? Um, because I love her and, you know, um, we'd still be husband and wife. I never talked to her, um, but it's though, and, and it's, I'm, we've been married for 30 something years. Sorry, darling. I can't count in my head
0: that year. <laughs> 33 years. There we go. Um, we can but, maybe edit this part out. Yeah. That way yeah, we'll, 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 we'll find out the exact years, edit that number in that way. When she listens <laughs> right, to it, it right, it'll, it'll right. be seamless. Thanks.
1: Uh, but you know, after all those years, I, I look forward to getting home tonight with her and having a conversation and spending time with her. And um, so Um, but you know, in the busyness of life, um, you know, sometimes we have to schedule in a date night. I know you guys have, have done some of that Mm -hmm. too, because if we're not careful, the busyness of life creeps in. So like, I think it's important to, um, have that weekly time that you prioritize, just like I might prioritize, Hey, Tuesday night is date night and it is totally about Stacy. You know, I think, uh, we should, we should have that time that we set aside for the one that we love, which is Jesus, and and focus on him. Um, I think that that's important for us to to know him, just like it's important to have those conversations, those times together to know anybody that we love.
0: Yeah, and, and of course, I think, I think that alludes too, to the passage in, in Revelation that you shared. And, and kind of what uh, you looked at was, you know, Jesus is offering us this this kind of dinner for two moment. And you know th- and I think that is where you really see corporate worship is this opportunity to you know while we are together you know it's giving us that opportunity to truly worship God and, and you know where our, our complete focus is in on that in that time and so um, it, and, you know you mentioned this idea of you know having a date night with with our, with our spouse and you, you sit down you have have dinner you know that that dinner isn't just, time to eat you know it's a, it's a time to, to get to know and have those conversations um, you know so so how, how do you see that and you know this idea of corporate worship you know it, it kind of falls under our, our vision of, of knowing God um, so how does corporate worship directly impact you know our, our intimacy with God um when you
1: when you mentioned intimacy my I've I've got this one scripture that just sticks out to me. And it's not necessarily about corporate worship, but it's about it focuses on worship to me. Um, And that's the story about uh, Mary and Martha when when Jesus comes to their house. Um, And so the the two sisters have totally different agendas. Um, Martha gets busy to fix a special meal for the the master who is coming. But Mary's approach is um, the Bible says that she sits at his feet and listens to him Mm. And so really, the moment she's choosing there, it doesn't call it worship, but it is is—it is that table for two, sort of, I want to know you, I'm focused on you totally, and even though that isn't called worship there, that's really what we're doing in worship, yeah. is coming to focus our, our hearts and our minds on Jesus, and so she takes up worship posture, even she sits at his feet, you know, just that humble, um, you're, the, you're the master, and, and I'm just, just here to know you kind of thing, and so... Um, Martha fusses about that because there's so much to do, of course. And, and Jesus, um, says, how hey, you're busy about so many things, but there's really only one thing that it matters. And Mary has chosen that one thing. And that's, to me, that speaks about the priority of seeking intimacy with God, uh, as a worshiper. And so whether we do that personally
0: or corporately, I think, it, I think it's both. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> whenever you know, I, I think of that time. You know, because because like you said, it, it's worship occurs. You know, or should occur. You know, not just that one hour. You know that that one hour that we have set aside. You know, right now for for corporate worship is the one time we get to all come together. Um, but but you mentioned you know Sunday that even beyond that, you know we we should be looking for the opportunity to worship God each and every day, whether that be through through service or whether it be through um, you know going on a hike. And you know, I was just speaking to one of our church members the other day and they, they went on a hike, you know, out west and you just, you know, had a great vacation together and while they were out there they were able to talk to some people and just recognize God's creation and 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 you know give uh give praise to him for that creation. And I think all that um is is key. But I think, you know, it's easy for us to lose or, you know, get caught up in busyness or, you know, those types of things, you know, and maybe forget um, you know, while we're there for that corporate worship time or why we're looking at his creation, but but one thing you, you talked about you know was worshiping his spirit and truth, and you talked about the truth aspect there being some authenticity, um and so if you could, you know how would an individual kind of look inwardly and kind of take just a kind of a personal evaluation of their authenticity of worship? You know how do I know if I'm coming and I'm just kind of going through the routine or if I'm truly authentic and, and seeking God and, and praising Him and um, really engaging and participating in that corporate worship time?
1: Um, well, I, I think that's important to be
0: introspective uh, and, and to, to be
1: careful about how you approach worship. Um, I think, you know, obviously, I think you should pray about it. I think it'd be awesome if our people prayed as families or prayed as couples on their, on their way to church. Yeah. Um, or as they pray at the end-of-life group that they maybe focus on, we're about to go into this time of worship. But, I think some other things that you can do as a worshiper to make that moment a real moment, um, you know, because a lot of times we walk in there and we just feel like, "Mm, you know, this, (laughs) I didn't, there wasn't anything real about this necessarily, but I think, I think you got to deal with sin. I think the acceptability of our worship before the Lord depends on the acceptability of the worshiper, you know, Um, uh, Psalm 24 says who can ascend to the holy hill um, that's, a, that's an image of going into the temple, which is on yeah. the, the temple mount there. Um, and, and the answer is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Um, and so I think the implication there is that before we come into the presence of a holy God, that, that we need to deal with sin. If we come into God's presence with known sin that we are practicing and not getting rid of, um, we can't expect to come before a holy God and, and have an authentic uh, time with him. I think you got to deal with, with pride, focusing on yeah. one sin in particular. I think worship and pride don't go together. Um, uh, First Peter says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Yeah. And um, so resist the proud doesn't seem like the right posture <laughs> for coming into worship. Yeah. Um, David, when he, in um, Psalm 51, when he has that experience of uh, being broken and, and coming before the Lord uh, after his sin, um, he says that, um, that a, a contrite heart or the, the sacrifices are, uh, that are acceptable to God are a contrite heart, a contrite heart uh, and a broken spirit that you will not um, despise, I think is the word he uses there. I think, I think another thing is um, just like I, I think the more you read the Bible, the more you un- grow in your knowledge of God. I don't think that you can know more about God with being, without being more amazed at who he is. You know, If it's hard for you to, to think about God and, and be amazed, then maybe you know, just fill your, your mind with what the Bible says about him. and Read, read the Psalms in particular and see yeah. how those people, the, thought, the worship thoughts that, that they were expressing in worship. And the Psalms are so educational about who God is and his greatness and the things about God that inspire us to worship him. I don't know some thoughts.
0: Yeah, and I think you know whenever we let go of that pride, and, and you mentioned this Sunday is you know recognizing that the corporate worship time is not about us. You know, well, we we have different preferences. You have different you know worship styles, or you know the way the stage should look. You, you went through all sorts of things Sunday, and um, while again some of those things may be important to us, um, we've got to remember that that worship time is, is not for us. It, it's for him. And, and um, allowing ourselves to humbly submit to that and, and, and recognize, you know, that um, it's about us being unified together, regardless of our personal preferences. And I think um, that that's the beauty of, of Christianity as a whole is that it, it unifies. And, um, you know, our, our life groups have been looking at Ephesians and, um, you know, this, this coming week, they're, they're going to be looking at how, um, we're, we're unified under under one God, under one Lord, and <clears throat> that only happens because of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think when we come into corporate worship with that mindset of recognizing that we're all different, different personalities, different preferences, all these things, but we can come together as one and worship the creator of the universe, then I think it's going to create a completely different tra- trajectory of that worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. Yeah.
1: I, I wish I had said <laughs> The Holy Spirit, when you talked about what's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament worship, now that you say that, that should have been an obvious part of the answer. Like, you know, in the New Testament, now with the the Holy Spirit indwelling us, that's a a whole different aspect of how we uh, can come to worship because he he, he empowers us to uh, worship God. He he points us uh, to Jesus. And so um, we should come led by the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, and then he, you know, he... Intercedes, you know, on our behalf. And, you know, whenever we come into that moment not knowing what to say or how to sing or how to act, you know, the Holy Spirit goes on our behalf and and does that for us. And I think that's a tremendous gift um, that that God has given us. Um, One aspect of corporate worship, um, I don't don't think you you necessarily directly touched on it. in the sermon. However, it's something that we do each and every week uh, as part of our corporate worship time, and that's giving, you know, whether we, we collect an offering and, um, you know, that's something that, you know, we place a priority on um, to, you know, give everyone the opportunity to give. But but why is that or should that be a priority and, and even be part of, of our corporate worship together? Um,
1: well, you know, going back to that Old Testament worship, really from from the beginning, that an offering was a part of of worship. Um, when Jesus was doing the Sermon on the Mount, he, one of his statements was where your treasure is there, will your heart be. And there's, there's something about um, uh, putting our heart in the right place before the father. And if, if we give, if we say, Hey, this, this, I, I'm acknowledging your lordship in my life because uh, you, you own all of me. So here's, here's a gift. Here is some of, some yeah. of it that really is a, symbolic way of saying all of it belongs to you, you know, and I think that I am not sure I can tie that together too well with worship, but the the idea of worship is coming before the Father and saying you're you're greater than I So the the gifts is is a way of saying that. Um
0: I don't know how's that (laughs) that's good.
1: Yeah that widow's might was um experience where Jesus observed that widow giving her gift and he praised her for, for giving that gift, even though it says it was her last mite. Um, and I've always wondered about that story. I, I like part of me says, Jesus should go grab that mite and give it back to the woman. But he, he didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he praised what she did and, and recognized, um, the, the goodness of what she was doing. And even that was her last, um, might, you know, in, in Jesus' understanding, he knew the Father was going to take care of her, um, and so he praised the fact that, that she gave, I mean, wholeheartedly to the Lord. I mean, this is literally everything I have that belongs to you. I trust you. Um, there's a part of worship is is faith. I mean, that, those go hand in hand. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, 6, I think, says that um, without faith, it is impossible to please him because um, he who comes must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Mm-hmm. So like when we come to seek the father, um, we we come in faith, believing that he will reveal his presence to us as his reward uh, for our faith. And And so giving also is just an act of faith. It says, you know, you're my God. Everything I have belongs to you.
0: Yeah, and I think you know a lot of times when we talk about giving, we, we talk about the tithe and we talk about the ten percent because we, we see a lot of that in the Old Testament. And however, the New Testament doesn't directly speak to a tithe, you know. And you can get into the you know, tax structure and all the different things of of, of the Old Testament. But I think um, you know the ten percent allow it kind of creates that that starting point of like you said, it all belongs to you, God, and I'm going to have faith that I can survive on ninety and give you ten. But the story of, of the widow's mite, you know, shows that you know she gave all she had you know and and i think um 10 is kind of a a starting point you know and and as we as we grow and as we see opportunities to serve and meet needs in the community or whatever it may be we we begin to realize that that we're everything we own we're just stewards of we don't really own it but but it's gods and um you know allowing us to really see you know when we bring our resources together like we do at corporate worship and collect this offering you know um you know Thousands of dollars are going out every week to, to meet needs in, in people's lives. And um, as we continue to do that, as we continue to, you know, just again, just bring in, you know, this this portion, you know, it's, it's recognizing that, that God is in control of all of it. And it gives us the opportunity to just give back and, you know, ultimately, you know, worship him in, in, in that manner. And so I think it's, you know, important. And, um course to recognize that and you know again it's you know while we a lot of times we talk about 10 percent, it's really you know god wants all of us you know he, he wants 100 percent of us and uh, when we truly <clears throat> approach him with that posture i think it does affect and you mentioned you know where our treasure is there our heart is also you know and so um whenever we appreciate that poor posture and recognize everything we own is gods and he's entrusting me to be a good steward of it we've got to figure out what being a good steward of that looks like mm-hmm. um you one know, one thing you touched on um was the the idea of you know actual practicing or, or, or participating in corporate worship? And you you shared several passages and um, you know I, I wrote down a few. You know, of course, Psalm ninety five talks about shouting, you know, bowing or or, or kneeling before God. Psalm thirty three talks about singing It introduces musical instruments. There, um, you know, of course, first you know Paul writes to Timothy and in First Timothy chapter two and in Psalm sixty three you you see the the lifting of hands. You know, you, so you see all these different kind of postures of worship and. Um, we, you know, we're in a Baptist church and so sometimes we're a little bit more reserved in our, in our posture of worship, Mm -hmm. you know, um, sometimes it's even hard for us to sing, you know, and of course I, I, am one of those individuals where, you know, I I hope it's a joyful noise before the Lord because in, in what I'm hearing is not, but hopefully God's (laughs) ears are a little bit different than mine. Sing a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe next time, you know, tune in next week, um. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so 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 I think you know you have different individuals who, who may not be musically talented or may be uncomfortable lifting their hands or, or shouting or, or whatever it may be, you know, and they just are apprehensive about participating. You know, what, what is some encouragement you would give someone kind of in that place where they're like, ah, I'm not a good singer or I don't feel comfortable lifting my hands or you know you know whatever other reasons they may have. How can you encourage someone who's kind of in that position?
1: Um. Well, for one thing, I I, I do feel sympathetic. I mean, it's easy for me to say because, you know, I I grew up singing, so it's easy for me to say everybody should sing. But I know that singing is difficult for for some people. Um, I'm sympathetic like if dancing was the main thing that we did in our church, that would be really hard for me because I probably would feel very inhibited about doing that. So I'm sympathetic. But um, I was uh, this morning um, I was walking and and kind of having my prayer time, and um, I got distracted and off on a— work, basically, because uh, I need to ask somebody to be the narrator for our Christmas program. And I got to thinking, you know, what is it that makes a good narrator? It's like the person who can can uh, speak those words and just be in the moment and, and speak them. And, and a lot of times um, a narrator, you know, as we've had different people narrate, or, will be so – Uh, aware of the crowd and and aware of uh, their own feelings of nervousness instead of being in the moment and aware of what they're trying to do. And so I'm just thinking about that's the kind of person I need to ask. Um, um, And I was thinking about myself. Like uh, when I was growing up, um, I was not very good in athletic endeavors. And part of it was physical limitations. But part of it was just like I know mentally I was not very teachable in sports. Brian Wright would get all over me. Um, but because like I would, would get in the sport and I'd just be focused on myself there and my, the f- nervous feeling I had rather than the, you know, what I had to accomplish in that moment. So, um, I know that was <laughs> around the world, but what I'm getting to is like, I, th- I think if people who were nervous would, would begin to, um, work on focusing on the Lord in those moments, um, I think we get nervous when we when we worry about ourselves in relation to all the people around us. And so we, the people around us become a distraction or maybe our own feelings of nervousness become a distraction. But if the more that we can just focus on the Lord and, and some of it probably would be helped um, just practicing through those things at home. Like, you know, if, even if you're not a singer, sing in your car sing at home sometimes just songs to the Lord. And, not that you're working on your voice to be heard, because that's not the point, but just working on um, being comfortable using singing as an expression back to the Lord. And and so, you know, maybe if if the more that becomes a part of your personal time, the less awkward it'll make you feel in front of other people. Hey, I wanted to say along that line, too, I should have mentioned about our, our deaf Mm-hmm. Uh, ministry. Friends, we have a, a great deaf ministry at um, Ridgecrest Baptist Church. Super leaders, wonderful people that are involved. and um, So I was kind of harping on singing yesterday, and I should have said also for the benefit of, well, they know this over here, the deaf, um, but for the benefit of everybody else, that, that they're, they're also singing uh, Absolutely. as they use their own <clears throat> language and sign language. Um, and uh, something cool happened yesterday, actually, when we started singing. We um, couple of the songs we did uh used the word hallelujah uh, praise the lord and so as the deaf were signing that like i noticed looking out that two or three people were were just like spontaneously noticed what they were doing and were using sign language also to say hallelujah and yeah i don't know that was a really cool moment for me
0: yeah and i, I think <clears throat> uh, that's typically where i'll i'll sit you know me and Whitney and and it's over on the side of the Worship Center, where where the uh, uh, deaf ministry is, and uh, for that purpose, you know, but because I, I enjoy, you know, watching, you know, the sign in there and trying to learn, you know, some of that as just an additional expression of worship, and um, because I, I'm one where I've gotten to where, of course, growing up, I, I was not, you know, I was the the youth who refused to sing. I just kind of stand there, my hands in my pockets, you know, look at the words, you know. However, I, I was reading the words, you know, and. Um, trying to you know make them kind of a prayer inwardly you know however now you know I, I feel more free to sing you know but you know I, I'm not very coordinated so you know it's good for me to sing and as far as clapping or raising my hands I can't do anything like that because then I can't sing with you know the music is, yeah. is going and so uh, a, another <laughs> old skill sometimes yeah, to put those together uh, that's right you know but but by sitting over you know where I do then you to be able to you know, observe the, the definition and start trying to learn some of those those signs is. Helping me, you know, start to be more free and not feel like I just need to stand here and sing, but, you know, to, to use my hands and just again making it about God and, and recognizing um, that He's why I'm there and, you know, he, he deserves our worship regardless of how good I may think it is. You, you mentioned Sunday how He's seeking those with, with the, the authentic heart, and, you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, that's not just kind of looking for it, but passionately, you know, looking and, you know, and just. Um, I, th- I think you know that, that's where we've got to begin is understanding that again we we set our, our pride aside and come in there and recognize that while we are there together corporately you know what makes it special is that you got all you know however many hundred people we have in there each individual communion with God doing that together I think is what you know truly speaks to corporate worship and displays that that unity that that God's seeking. Um, Anything else that that maybe you wanted to add or share, or something else you want you want to touch on? that Maybe we didn't um, cover today, or or in your message.
1: Um, I don't know, but I, I will say this: I'm I'm just praying that um, God will teach us as a church to to just help us grow in our worship life, and and uh, I, I have a vision that one day, um, and we, we will just grow to a point that that. What we're doing there is so um, powerful um, that it'll not only be life-changing to us on a weekly basis, um, but that it'll begin to spill out in our community, and there'll be people that will come just to be a part of what's going on when this holy temple that meets at Ridgecrest uh, meets and when they worship. Um, so I don't know. That's a way to pray about the future for us as a church. Let's just walk deeply with the Lord and, and uh, let him take us new places.
0: Would would you actually pray for us and and pray specifically sure. for that here Absolutely. as we get ready to close out? Yeah, thank right.
1: you, uh, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for our, this body of believers believers that meet at Ridgecrest and the body of believers that is worldwide. Anyone who is listening to us today, Father, we're God. I, I pray that that you would use uh, the the power of our togetherness in the holy temple that is worldwide, God. To um, to bring glory to your name, God, wherever people are meeting this week, God, and, and for us here at Ridgecrest, that um, we would lift up the name of Jesus, that we'd bring glory uh, to your name, and the way that we approach you, um, not only on the outward expression, God, but from our hearts, God, I pray that that we would come before you with authenticity and with with deep longing for your presence and with an openness uh, for. How that will change us as as we walk towards you, and Father, I pray that um, specifically for our church at Ridgecrest, God, that 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 we would grow in our our understanding of you and our and grow in our sense of awe and our our ability to to recognize your presence and respond and worship. And Father, I pray that that out of that, God, you would change us week by week. You would help us to grow in Christ likeness week by week, and. Father, also out of that, God, I pray that it would spill over into our community, Father, and I, um, that you would help us use us and use our worship specifically to, to, to reach our community, Father, that people would be drawn to be a part of, of what you're doing here. Uh, Father, pray that on our sister churches in this community too, Father. God, I pray that, that they would grow strong in their walk with you, and uh, God, that you'd, you'd reach our community uh, through that. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name,
0: Amen. Amen. Well, this so far as we can continue to work through our vision. So far, we've looked at the kind of the first third of it, uh, looking at the idea of knowing God and, and knowing God you know, intimately. And we at Ridgecrest are, are focusing on you know how do we do that? How do we know God? And so far, we've looked at you know participating in uh, personal devotion, participating in relational discipleship, and now participating in corporate worship. And when we participate in each of those areas, it it leads us to truly know God more intimately. Um, Next week, we begin to shift gears and kind of look at the next portion of our vision, and that's to serve others. And so um, next week, I encourage you to to, to listen in as we uh, once again just sit down and look at just the overall idea of what it looks like uh, to truly serve others. And then over the next few weeks, we'll continue to break that down. Again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, our, our prayer, you know, as, as we leave here today, is just you know as you approach next Sunday, again approach it with, with the with the heart of, of worship as we come together and, and we participate in that corporate worship time together. We have a great week, and we'll see you guys next week.